Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm Kristen. We'd like to welcome you to the writer's story. It is September, but we are talking the last day of September. So we <laughs> just made it in under the fire. <laughs> Uh, I was just going to say late September. <laughs> late September. It's, it's late September. It is the latest of September. It is not October, and that is the main thing. So we uh, are creating this in September, um, and I'm super duper excited because we are going to get to talk to um, a local writer and friend, Jocelyn Nicole Johnson, and, um, and celebrate her debut publishing debut um and uh so i can't wait to talk to her but yeah. in the meantime you have been writing but also dealing with a puppy yes new puppy we got her at eight weeks old she's now about a month later than that um and is coming along great she's a golden retriever so she's pretty oriented to please which is nice and she is a sweetheart i actually love training dogs and my philosophy is to treat them with respect and be clear about what you know is right and what's acceptable and not but um basically to incorporate her in the normal seas of our days and so um that we can move seamlessly along and she is already adapting beautifully so i'm happy to report that um and finally her bladder seems to be big enough to make it through the night as of last night so praise the lord <laughs> that is a wonderful wonderful um yep step along the way yeah but yeah so i've been writing as well like you said and uh I keep doing my haiku a day, which is fun, but I also finished another draft of the Teardrop Camper novel that now a friend of mine has read. Well, you know, um, a mutual writer friend of ours has laid her eyes upon it, much such generosity to read a whole novel, and um, gave me some great feedback, so I look forward to incorporating some of the um, ideas she had, um, some of her critique of that in the next, uh, the next revision. So on we go. And how about you? You've been writing and you have been at least thinking and healing with this arm injury. Yes. Um, I would say August and September have been, I feel like I've been at the doctor or, um, physical therapist or the acupuncturist more than I've been writing. Um, and writing has been a little bit challenging. I used um, Dragon Anywhere uh, for some of the writing. So I was doing a complicated thing, which is taking a book that I'd already written and then adding new characters, changing things around, changing the time period. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, really hard. But I tried different things. I tried different techniques. One was to retype a scene, uh, changing point of view, and you know, and that sort of thing. Because I had to change point of view on a couple of things. And then the other technique was to have it in front of me and read it, uh, and read it, and then 
speak out loud how I wanted it to be. So then oh, was, so not necessarily reading it out loud, but reading no, it on the reading page the way back. I want it to be. So I have the scene, yeah. and then I so so that was both of those were ways that I could just get the draft on the page. And it's, it's pretty rough at this stage. I'm still fixing some flow issues where I'm working on relationships and where they should be um, crescendoing and when they need to be, you know, working up to that and working down and that kind of stuff. So I've basically, four, it's a four point of view book. Wow. And, yeah. Um, that's, and and that's in what person is it written? Third. Okay. Yeah. I did have one of the characters in first in a different draft and yeah. and I decided I decided to toss that out and so that was what I was doing a lot of kind of change but from first to third person but also questioning what seemed really needed to be there um, and changing some details along the way as well yeah um, and it's not in the 50s anymore it's in the 70s love the 70s yeah so I'm hoping I'm hoping that will help with some details because I actually did live in the 70s so I feel like I may know more about the 70s than I know about the 50s and I found that a really hard time to make this work but I think a lot of things haven't really changed yet although the year I'm setting it is 1975 and it's the year that they invent um, uh, the Bill Gates um, creates a computer and then the following year that you know the apple creates the first Macintosh, but it's not anything that's in anybody's life at that moment so you're thinking free cell phone free computer yeah uh, you know, that yeah kind of so it's it, a different world yeah so that's been that's been an interesting process but i need to get into the second draft and really try to start pummeling it and making it into something you know <laughs> something that works <laughs> and mechanically so mechanically physically for you can you now type with your right hand yes but sometimes i have to sort of contort a little bit and i end up with a bit of a sore shoulder mm. so that's a bit of that's a challenge but i am able to type now and that's helpful okay. um boy that was hard yeah. yeah so i'm not entirely sure i've used um spoken i've used you know narration before to write occasionally yeah um it is kind of helpful if you're doing a big swath of dialogue but i don't feel that it's that different from my other rough crafts it still needs lots of tweaking for sure but you're on your way I'm on my way, and that's all that matters. Well, yes. so anyway, I wanted to just, before we bring up Jocelyn, um, I just wanted to tell people a little bit about her. Um, <clears throat> she's the author of My Monticello, Five Stories in a Novella, all set in Virginia. That's coming out October 5th, so really soon. Um, it was selected by National Book Award winner Charles Yu as his most anticipated book for the year. Um, she's been a fellow at lots of um, writing residencies, Tin House, Hedgebrook, BCCA, 
and had a short story with so many amazing places, like Karen the Guardian, uh, Joyland, Phoebe, Shenandoah. Um, and her short story, which you read and I read as well, was anthologized in Best American Short Stories 2018. She's edited by Roxanne And um, she was a public teacher for years and years. Um, but according to the New York Times article, which I just read yesterday, she has quit her day job. So she is now a full-time writer. Um, and she's up for Kirkus Award, and Netflix is making a movie of her novella, My Monticello. And so I can't so wait to talk to her about all that. Of this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's just amazing. And um, we know her from the writing community. Um, I taught her in a class years and years and years ago at UVA, and that's how I met her. I met her through her writing. Um, she's just so talented, and it's so fun to see someone who's worked so hard for so long on her craft finally get appreciation, get the book deal, the movie deal <laughs> that yeah, she totally deserves, it. and it just seems like it's a great moment for this story. Yeah, yeah, and um, so I'm so looking forward to talking with her and seeing how she got here. Well, she became a writer and all about this this collection. So let's go bring her up. Sounds good. Hey, Jocelyn. Hey, <laughs> Meredith and Kristen. How are you all? We're doing great. Good. We're so happy that you're here with us today. Um, oh my goodness, we're so excited about my Monticello. Your forthcoming, very soon to be out um, collection of stories, and so we just so are so grateful that you're taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I and appreciate I, it. And I was just thinking, Jocelyn. Um, so when I moved back to Charlottesville, I started teaching um, at Ryder House and also UVA. And I think the first time I met you, you took my class in novel writing. Yes, at UVA, the class. But I didn't think it was novel writing. We did. I was in your class. That's absolutely right. Was I remember. It? Well, but I, I don't think it was novel writing because, because you I had a novel. That's true. That you is had true. A novel, so maybe you've been I... working on it. And what I remember, though, is that you were a really gifted writer, but I think you were full of sort of like that kind of thing where you had a really solid career. You were a mom. You had a lot going on, and you're like, I really want to tell these stories, but here's this thing I worked on, but I don't know if I really like it anymore. You had a lot of like um, stuff, and so then over the years, getting to know you, I feel like. You've just really honed your voice and found where you were comfortable. And it seems like short stories really ended up being the place for now for you. I don't know. So I'm really excited because I saw that first moment and thought, I really thought you were really talented. And I was like, no, 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 this is really good. But you can't force someone to write a book that doesn't feel right at the time. You know, so you can't yeah, get someone no. to finish it. <laughs> Yes, I have written novels, and I will say that I will say that it's been a meandering road, and I don't think it's even that you arrive at the thing that's right for you. You're arriving at things all the time, so sometimes you're in store. And I do love, I absolutely love short stories. I've always really loved compression. I've always been interested in short stories. I find them a little bit more manageable, and I find that I can get my mind around them, and I kind of get lost in the novel projects I've tried. 
to do. And I do think these stories are more successful. But I think a novel could be interesting too. It's just, you know, where the world meets you, what you're, what's happening in your life. You know, this is, we'll probably get into this, but this is kind of my third time having an agent, having a project and having it go out there. The first one was stories, the second one was a novel probably some version of the novel that I was workshopping with you and then this one. And they all could have been books, but this is the one that will be my debut and that has to do with me, but it also has to do with the world. Yeah, interesting. And I think about um, the fact that you, as Meredith said, have been juggling a number of things, not just parenting, but also you're a teacher, a full-time teacher. And um, so that's got to take an enormous amount of energy and um, to be able to have some to spare (laughs) with family and everything to putting words on a page. Tell us how you you came to writing. Is it something that you've always done or? Yeah, so that's really interesting. So I have pretty much loved writing and visual art since I was a kid. I was constantly writing stories or um, drawing pictures and sometimes illustrating books. And um, so I I loved both. But then at some point um, in college, I made a decision that I wanted to have like a job, (laughs) a job that was like the kind of job you can get. And so I really decided to, to become an art teacher to, you know, it, and it ended up really suiting me and suiting my personality. So I was a visual art teacher. I've been a visual art teacher for about 20, well, for 20 years I taught. I, I actually stopped teaching during the pandemic right after I sold the book. So I'm not teaching full time now. But the whole time I was working on this project and the one Meredith and before that was teaching um, part time when my son was little and then full time the last uh, year. So. Yeah, so writing has been something that I've kind of come back to, that I've slipped in on the side, um, that I've um, used summers to go and take workshops. I try to go somewhere every summer or every other summer to, to be around people who maybe aren't in MFAs or a teacher that I really admire. So I really kind of tried to use the summers as a space to generate material. And I've actually been in a writer group um, well, I'm in several writer groups, but one of them for 10 years was someone that I took a class with in Writer House that you all know. Um, so that also helps having a community of people that you're gonna meet with every month and kind of rotate around and have to offer up something. So that gives you that, you know, motivation. So Jocelyn, how did you come to these stories, the stories that are now um, collected here in my Monticello, this debut? Yeah. So. At first I was just kind of writing stories. And for me, I, I tend to write about things that have happened in the real world, either to me or around me. And my writing is kind of a way to figure them out. Like if something's bothersome, if something's irksome, if I have like an interaction with someone and there's just something really funny in it or weird or uncomfortable, I tend to save those in my brain and then writing can be a way and for these stories I started with those kinds of stories but then at some point I wrote well the second story I wrote was uh, a story control negro that was about an event that happened in Charlottesville where we live um, to a college student um, who was kind of battered uh, and bloodied and handcuffed by university officers right near campus and there was a video of it and it, it was a 
and it was a black student and there was it echoed a lot of things that were going on around the country with police brutality to um young men of color and people of color so and black men in particular so um that story was about that and that story garnered a more attention Roxanne gay tweeted about it which was completely insane to me at the time i think someone told me because i don't even think i was on twitter at that at that time and and then it ended up getting anthologized in the best american short stories which is some place where people stories short stories are really hard to access they're not um you know they're not in a unit that people buy a lot of people think oh i don't really care about short stories but people did care about that short that story they a lot of people read that collection it was in a place where people could find it and think about it and it spoke to some of the things that have been happening here in charlottesville at the moment and after writing that story i had this realization that the story preceding it that's in the collection and the stories that came after it were going to be set in virginia and virginia was going to kind of be this connective tissue virginia as the place where i was born and raised where i've lived i've lived in charlottesville for 20 years now and I kind of, and this idea of home, of access to home, um, and then combined in with kind of my own racial and environmental anxieties. Um, and then, you know, coming full circle, and, and also just like what I love about Virginia and all these experiences I've had here as an elementary school art teacher, um, living in town, just all the nuances and all these kind of moments I kind of wove into the collection. Um, and the collection was actually called Virginia is Not Your Home, which is the second story that was going to be the title, this idea of Virginia. But then the last story I wrote, My Monticello, is a novella, which takes up the vast majority of the collection. Um, and it uh, is about really a reaction to August 12th here in Charlottesville, where we had a, um, in 2017, where we, 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 reluctantly hosted the Unite the Right rally um, where white nationalists from all over the world and a lot of leadership came here to kind of um, make a statement about what they thought about the Confederate statues and about Americans of color and black Americans. And their statement included, you know, a lot of references to genocide and machine guns and a lot of violence and brutality and ultimately the death of someone here who was a counter protester um, and a lot of trauma. And so that story um, really was a reaction to that in in uh, contrast to my neighborhood. So I really set the protagonist in that story as characters along First Street near where I live. And so it was kind of this looking at those two things side by side in my imagination. And did you know that it would be like a novella when you began kind of working through those ideas? Um, did you know? I, no, that's a really good question. So I actually started it as a long short story. Um, I wrote it in its entirety as a, a pretty long, a long, long short story. And then it just needed, it required and it had um, this whole cast of characters and they just needed more space. So I just kind of inched it bigger and bigger. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I just, so I ended up making it much longer. Um, and a lot of that was filling in and developing character. And a lot of it was like, I had to really learn about Monticello because the story takes place. It's 19 days 
at Thomas Jefferson's Monticello. It's a near future. It's not a historic um, novel, and it's about people living now who end up fleeing white supremacists and taking refuge in Monticello and a group of neighbors who are kind of ousted out of their neighborhood, and they have to have the practical, um, they have to consider the practical things of how they're going to live there. So it's kind of a night in the museum situation where you get to touch all the things in Monticello, and you get to rope the garden and dig for turnips and use the cisterns that Thomas Jefferson designed where you can get water and so forth. But then it's also this um, waiting and thinking about how to deal with extremism and how to create a community between the neighbors that are up there together and how to, you know, the protagonist of the story is Denasia Love and she's a, a, a young black college student in town, but she's also a descendant of Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings. So she's up there with her grandmother. So they have this special place and a special relationship to the place. So it's also kind of considering what the place means past and the present and kind of what the future is. Oh, I can't wait to read it. So great. So awesome. Um, So you had you had a couple of different forays that sounded like with agents for other projects and those kind of just didn't go anywhere or you just had sort of that parting of the ways with those agents and then you started over with a brand new agent with this project is that correct yeah so i the first agent i got um I wasn't way before I was ready. Like someone scouted me at Ten House, who I'm actually just spoke to today. So I'm still friends with the scout of this agent, and she is still a huge like fan of the book and is really excited. So she scouted me for an agent that I never even met, and we kind of developed a project together. I had some stories, and we developed it into a full length manuscript. And we sent it. You know, he sent it out. I signed a contract with them, sent it out, and it didn't sell. And it was like young adult related stories around a school. And then my second project, I wrote a novel, a young adult, well, I I thought of it as a coming of age, but it ended up getting marketed as young adult novel. And I actually queried and found an agent, kind of sought out one and through a series of events, found an agent who was amazing and lovely and really thought about the book and helped me develop it and sent it out. We got some interest, but no one bought it. And we actually stayed together. You know how you don't want to break up with someone because you like them, but like you don't, <laughs> you don't like have you know something to do together. Uh, your your life plans aren't merging anymore, so we didn't break up. But um, <laughs> but then I was like, oh, I'm really excited about this story. I had a story called The King of Xandria, which is in the collection, and. Uh, I said, I'm really excited about it. And she just wasn't, it wasn't her thing. Like short stories wasn't her thing. Adult short stories wasn't her thing. And I, and she kind of knew that. And so by the time I got Control Negro and I really was like, this is what I'm going to do. I mean, I kind of came to this point where I was like, this may never get published, but I don't have a novel. I don't have a novel in my drawer. I'm going to create this collection and it's going to be short stories. It's going to be about Virginia. It's going to be about this and that. And I'm really committed to this and if it goes out on a tiny indie press if the stories don't go out whatever it is this is what I want I want people who are excited about this and so at that point because of the best American notoriety I had a little bit more um, ability to query people and get their attention a little bit and so from there I ended up finding my new agent who was the mentor to my middle agent so they're friends (laughs) And so they were, it was, they worked out really well. And so 
So she actually emailed me this week too and was like, yeah, congratulations on the book and so forth. So I don't think of those as, for me, they weren't failed attempts. I created relationships in each of those and I actually still have relationships from all of those. And it's just a matter of finding the right person. I would say my current agent loves short stories. She is amazing. She has other, you know, she's, found ways to find homes for collections that ended up doing really well that others might have said this isn't saleable at all and um so it worked out very well and she was really excited about this project well it's so important to remember that it's a business relationship but also i mean it's a personal relationship you want to get along with them but it's a business and so if at times something the wrong timing or you're you had a project maybe you know it wasn't the right time in the business for it or something and so I think you really hit at this moment a really wonderful time for this particular book and um, you've just been getting wonderful press which I'm super excited we saw you in the New York Times and then on the cover of Seville which was our local paper but also a big deal <laughs> my face was so big on the Seville I like was driving by photos and I was like oh my gosh I can see my face from here like driving on the road because it was just so huge did they give you a free bagel oh no no you're like I a local celebrity oh <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's me. And then she should give you something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, well, I read some of Control Negro in, um, is it pronounced Guernica? Guernica. Yeah, I say Guernica, but I could be saying it wrong. Well, oh my gosh, Jocelyn, your writing just is, a, it blows me away. Um, it's so, there's such clarity. But at the same time, um, I like it, it with that. I don't know how to describe it, but that um, you write, and, and I'm curious how you do this. Like, do you um, does this evolve over time? But you deliver this um, kind of image, and then the the kind of poetic nature of your writing is really strong as well. But that uh, leads in a certain way of thinking and then softly and very gently redirects, at least that was the way I felt as a reader, um, in new ways with fresh eyes, like every, I don't know, paragraph or so, I could see this, it, it, I could see the story sort of growing and evolving in ways that I had not anticipated as I was reading along, which I loved. And it, um, and yeah, your, your writing is just astonishingly beautiful and it feels very, unusual to me in that um again there isn't a kind of like launching moment that clearly sets out a particular problem and then we are expecting you know the challenges that the protagonist faces and then they're overcoming those and so on which gets very exciting in stories but you're developing a different kind of excitement and um it's just it's really rich it's reading well, experience thank you. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I think that we're all, all of our brains work differently. And so I think when we come into contact with the forms of stories, we're going to have these weird takes that we have from them. So it's not like me saying, I'm consciously going to resist the form of story. This is just like my best attempt <laughs> at doing all the things. And but my mind is my mind, you know, so you're kind of, I think when people are learning to write, there's this real marriage or there's this real 
tension between learning how to do it and learning and hearing, learning so much from people. There's so many things I've learned from going to all those classes, from reading other people's work and hearing how they talk about their work and how that's different than how I experienced it and hearing how they experience my work and how it's different than what I intended or, or the same or whatever, or they see something in it I didn't even know. So it's not that you're not learning from people constantly, but I think that the things you describe aren't like I set out to do that. That's just the way that my mind works. And I think a lot of the I would guess that a lot of the conflict in the stories is really internal. I think I read a lot of stories where nothing happened and weren't very exciting to my husband who reads like really like, well, be, you know, he likes something to happen on the page. And I, I knew I was onto something and he was like, nothing's happening, but I'm so engaged in these stories. So yeah, yeah, yeah. When he read these stories, he was like, oh, 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 you know, like he was having a reaction. So there's a lot of like subterranean, you know, subterranean, movement I think a lot of times in the stories that I have or internal movement yeah and I have expectations I guess I like I I think as a reader I expected certain things based on just the first part of the story and then I find that those expectations don't they don't bear out but you've surprised me with a different layer and level in ways that are so enriching as a reader um I just yeah I'm I'm in awe of it and I mean you were very humbly describe it as just kind of the way your brain works but I know there's a whole lot of craft behind that and and uh, coming to your voice and um yeah what is your editing process like well I will say I didn't just come to it I mean yeah, it's like I've been writing for so long. So yeah, you know, the New York Times piece is about how I'm a 50-year-old literary debutante, right? So I'm like, there's a lot of, all that experience goes into this and I and I know both intuitively and also when I look at it, I'm like, what, there, there's a missing beat here. Like in the novella, I was like, there's a there were several places where I was like, something else, something more active needs to happen here or this needs to be scaffolded. I know I want to end here, but it doesn't feel believable yet you know so there's a very conscious reading and a really close reading and other people give you insights which is really helpful um so i tend to write a full draft all at once if i can or at least close to all at once um you know i try to do writing workshops in the summer and sometimes retreat so that really can help to to be in the same space when you get the full thing out there that's a lot harder with a novel and that's why I think I'm can be more successful and it's a little bit more manageable around the rest of my life to be able to write shorter things because I can get the main idea out. and I find that my beginnings and my ends are often just like that's how they were like I that in the inciting moment and the end often stay but then I really have to work on the middle and sometimes adding things and then I really I almost worry that I overdo it, but I really listen for like the rhythm of it. And sometimes I think I can be, it's like, I really want it to sound right. And like the rhythm of it to sound right to the point where I'll be like, this is the word I want, but the it's too many syllables. <laughs> it's bothering me like the way it sounds, you know? So yeah. I do come back at the end and do that. Wow. Really think about that. Wow. That's really um, close editing. That's amazing. That's yeah, really and, but it really does come through. I mean, there is a again that kind of poetic line to your writing. Mm -hmm. It really comes through. It's beautiful. 
So just really quick, how long is My Monticello for a novella? It's a novella, but how many words is it? I have no idea. Like 40, <laughs> really, really. 30, do you remember? I, I'm just so curious. Literally, I cannot tell you. I can look and tell you how many Oh no, don't worry. If you don't know, don't worry about it. But I'm always curious just because um, I had to, I I had to do, um, was for the Edgars. I was the a a short story judge, and then um, my my group of judges started rebelling because we started getting all these novellas, and and they were like, "This is too. We were supposed to read short stories. How are we having all these novellas?" But it felt like novellas just had a hard. They didn't have a place to sit, which I think is cool, actually, because I think the stuff in between is often where the really cool stuff happens (laughs) in art and fiction and in length. So so novels were like 60,000 and short stories were I don't know what and novellas were in the middle and they didn't assign them to novels. They assigned them to the short story. And I just thought that was really fascinating. I feel like the, this novella is just long enough to be a novel. Like if you, I, I remember looking when I thought now it's like all, P, you know, everything's in a PDF. I don't have like the original form with all that. It's, but I think it's a little bit more than 60. It might even be 70. I think it could be a novel. We talked about whether to publish it as a novel. I'm actually really excited that my publishers, Henry Holt, were willing to keep, they could have put it out as a novel. And I think that's, you know, a standard within the way that we think of like what a piece is supposed to be. And I, I'm really actually pretty impressed and excited that they were uh, just wanted, you know, because I wasn't entirely against it. I was unsure when we sold it and when we talked about it, we really thought about it. So, and it does change how people come to it. Um, and it's going to come out in the UK in November and it will be just the a novella it'll be a novel or I don't know like what does novella mean I mean novella means it just means it's a short it's short it's a shorter it's, shorter. it's a certain sh- word count but yeah I'm it sure also that... means something to people it's a little slimmer it's a little bit more you know I imagine the definition of novella has changed over the years I mean I, I would think I would think it has like what um, qualifies as a novel in somebody's mind. I don't know who's defining this. <laughs> I mean, why is shorter? I mean, it's so interesting, though. Um, so I understood from the New York Times that this might actually also be a movie. That is true. This is going to be um, a movie. It is being. It's in the screenwriting phase right now. The screen the the screenplay has been turned in as, and is being edited. Um, I got to meet this the screenwriter. Uh, he came to Monticello <laughs> from Brooklyn on the train, and uh, we had lunch together. Um, he's he's really cool. So yeah, it's going to be a movie, and uh, it's still early stages, but that is that is happening. Wow! That's so exciting! Oh man, Jocelyn, just thrilling. So, 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 yes, I know. Well, I imagine that must be a very interesting thing, especially since your sort of your child isn't out there yet, you know, it hasn't yet been published and you've already turned it over to someone to create it in a whole nother format. It is interesting. I actually, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. It's, it's neat. I don't worry. I feel like it's its own 
thing that's related to my thing and I want it there's certain parts that are really important to me that aren't changed but a lot of it will be different and it will be its own thing one thing I really like is the the group that bought it it's called the Chernin group Peter Chernin uh, is the main guy and he actually made the Titanic that's his most known movie so it's wow <laughs> not the Titanic just Titanic <laughs> but anyway it's not called the Titanic is it I don't know anyway they were really excited about it like and so it actually I knew that it had sold them a really long time ago so I've had like some time because at first I was like what <laughs> it was a long time of getting my mind around it but now I feel like I just had more time to just have the experience of thinking about it but what I will say is that um I really liked them and their vision for it and the ideas and what the women that I talked to it was three women that I got to talk to by zoom because we're all in our houses and this was you know during lockdown um they were really respectful and they you know I'm going to be an executive producer on it and they really I have they're like meaningfully consulting me and I've actually met two of the women they both came through the east coast because of whatever family and then they wanted to see Monticello because of the project so you know I really felt feel good about their intentions for the piece and how they felt about it which makes it a lot more fun oh that's awesome well I do want to before we wrap up make sure to ask you sort of like what's next for you even though this book is clearly coming out really soon and also to make sure that we find out where you're going to be even virtually so that people can find you and find the book yeah well my my famous line which my publishers laughed a lot at me at was in the new york times piece i said apparently i'm writing a second book because i'm <laughs> under contract to write a second book they thought that was really funny <laughs> <laughs> but um i was like oh did i say that i really did say that um but yes i i am under contract to write a second thing and i have kind of two ideas so I have like two kind of folders two it's like one and two but they're not really formed yet and I'm hoping as I go into this there's just so much going on right now it's really hard to get to that quiet I need the quiet I'll I'll be I'll enjoy this and then I'll enjoy the quiet so that I can like imagine that you know it's just a different kind of space so um so I will be working on just whatever comes out of my brain but I have some ideas and then um as far as events, I'm just about to kind of put up my, I have a whole slew of virtual events in bookstores all over the country. Um, but I do have two live events here in Charlottesville coming up. Um, one is coming up next week on October 8th at, with New Dominion Bookstore, which is our, which is our local indie bookstore. And it's going to be at the Haven, which is kind of a church slash homeless shelter and we're going to have it there so there's a little more space and then also the second event will be at Monticello um, which I'm excited about because I really reached out to them early hoping that they would be partners and excited about the book and letting them know my intentions and also I wanted to reach out to descendants because I'm you know have this character who's a descendant of Jefferson and Hemings and I am well aware that there are real descendants of slavery at Monticello that live in this area and I didn't want to be blindsiding them with my fictional uh, world so I, I kind of use them to do that as well but they've really come on board and they've been really helpful and they will be carrying the book and supporting the book and I'll have an event up there on October 13th um, so, so that's what's going on that's awesome 
Yeah, and I'm excited to attend. <laughs> I didn't know about the Monticello event. I um, I have the New Dominion in my calendar, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, but I, I'm definitely going to. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I hope I can make the Monticello one, too. That sounds really awesome. That will be neat, because I'm going to talk to um, a person who works there who is a descendant uh, um, a Black descendant. So I just am interested in that experience to hearing what he has to bring to the conversation and his perspective, so. Yeah, wow. That's so great. I'm so glad they were supportive. I was curious about that, um, whether they would be, but I imagine um, you're, not ex you're not really trashing Monticello in your book. You're just <laughs> making it actually a place of escape, it sounds like, although it's complicated and I really love, I'm really excited to read. Um, how all it is yeah. complicated but it, you know I, I, I'm, it's interesting I feel like um, it could it, things could go another way but but probably the way that you approach them and their openness now to all the other stories there I have to say they've changed quite a bit in just the years I've you all probably have had this experience of living here 20 years and going up there for various things over the years they've really changed and they've really um, done, I think, a really a much better job of including and centering all the different people that live there. And I think there is this way that it doesn't have to be about trashing Thomas Jefferson. I think it's interesting that that can be a frame. There's this protectiveness, like if, to, to, to talk about someone's humanness or to talk about all their actions is to trash them, which is, which isn't, that protectiveness isn't always bestowed on people of color or the black descendants there or you know I mean it's like a very selective protectiveness for them and what I wanted to do in my stories and what I hope to do is provide all the characters with that same reverence but also show their humanness and show their fallibility equally and not put one above another so right well there was a tendency for or there was a tendency I believe for Thomas Jefferson to be more worshipped than admired um, and I think yeah that we could sort of say this person did all these really interesting impactful things but also was a human being in a in a terrible time and did horrible things to people and here's evidence yeah. that he did really horrible things to people and I think they were in denial about the whole Sally Hemings thing until really the DNA evidence and I think then it was just like okay there's no denying <laughs> The science says that this really did happen. She wasn't making it up or whatever. I mean, there was always this thing. I think there was this stuff like, oh, it was his stepbrother. <laughs> it was his father-in-law. They were just grasping at things. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, one thing I say in the book is, you know, um, that his white children didn't have to prove and reprove their lineage. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I mean, that's the equality of it, right? Yeah. That's the same thing. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. thank you so much. I know it's so busy for you, and we're so excited. Enjoy this, like, fun ride of promotion and let yourself be feted. I know, I think I heard that you also were up for Kirkus. I am, which is insane. It's so wow. exciting. But I really also do hope, as a fellow writer, that you have some peace soon for you to go back to um, one of your projects and find the one that's going to spark joy and be your next book because I know that's also incredibly gratifying and 
your, your readers of this book will be saying, what's next? What's next? So <laughs> <laughs> to satisfy them all. <laughs> well, thank you. That is a really nice. Uh, I'd like that. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping I can enjoy this time and then also enjoy that next part of creating again. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And um, we look forward to seeing you at one of the events. Thanks, Joshua. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Well, it was really great to catch up with Jocelyn. Um, Yeah, what an amazing um, debut. And what a great story she has as a writer. Um, And I'm super excited about these events. I hope I can get to that Monticello one. It sounds like it'll be have input from others as well though yeah. i would listen to jocelyn for a week by herself that would be great <laughs> as well <laughs> but it would be fun to yeah to hear the conversation yeah and yeah. i'm very i'm very curious i i love that they've embraced the book i think That's and terrific. what a story i mean so the the novella that just is what a brilliant idea right and then the rich possibilities for unpacking that and then i have to say like reading some of her work and i haven't read this collection neither of us have read it right um but reading yeah just reading control negro that short story wow her writing is just it's crystalline and also um with loads of surprise i yeah i just was so struck by um Yeah, and also just reading the New York Times interview with her, it made me think about how there's a lot of, like, um, young writer worship in our culture. People are very much like, oh, this person just wrote this story, and look, they're 21, and all this sort of thing. But there's such a, um, I don't know, there's there's something that's so wonderful about a mature voice, that she really knows who she is and what she's interested in. And is super focused, and yeah, um, that's a really good point. And has really worked on her craft, and has worked also, you know, out in the world doing lots of interesting things, and you know, and has all this this. So I think it was really, it's really cool. I'm gonna, it, it's really cool to see her find that place and find that moment where she gets mm-hmm. lots of attention to this book because short story collections are tough. Yeah, that's what I understand. And I just find writing short stories to be really hard. (laughs) So anyone who does uh, has my admiration for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, I look forward to um, gathering again in a month and chatting with another amazing writer. But um, in the meantime, I'm just going to really revel in our conversation with Jocelyn and look and, forward to meeting for, her yes. book. Yes, and I'm so glad that we had a chance to grab her real quick for a conversation because it sounds like her October will be very, very busy. <laughs> yes, indeed. And uh, I will see you next time. Sounds good. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.